Some people change their ways when they see the light, others when they feel the heat. Caroline Schoeder. You're listening to Jamiest Bits of Jam, a monthly storytelling podcast celebrating writing from bricky brave gals. Each month, we choose a theme and share stories based on that theme. For you, giggle mugs. This month's theme is heat. Christina Kishpa is up first with her story, Kala's Cave. Kala woke up suddenly, surprised by the sweat upon her forehead. She sat up in her tent and looked around. Her father and brothers were not in their sleeping spots. Outside her tent, she saw her whole village gathering near the jagged rocks, which lined the entrance to the immense cave in which her people had lived for hundreds of years. Generations have called this cave home, it being a shelter from the winds and snows, while the inner core of the cave always emitted a warmth, which could only be explained by the magic of the gods smiling down upon them. Kala's father was a metal worker. He held no power among the people, but he was well-respected and strong as an ox. Her five brothers were the same. Kala had been the first female born on her father's side in over 50 years. Because of this, and after her mother's death, her father looked at her like she was a prized possession, as well as a burden. A pretty but fragile Bible, to be protected at any costs. But Kala needed no protection. She could take care of herself. She had been secretly practicing fighting with her eldest brother, Kern. Kern saw her as no different from any of his brothers, and she appreciated that, even after he broke her wrist four full moons ago. "'What is all this now?' Kala asked Kern, whose brow furrowed when she approached. "'The cave. It's heated up overnight.' "'Well, it's always been warm, Kern.' "'No, Kala. It heated up almost ten degrees. It's never been this warm.' Kala looked past the hundreds of tents that populated the cave and into the dark center. She could swear she could almost see an eye. A red eye. No, she was going mad, reacting to the unease of her people. She looked out past the jagged rocks at the blizzard, which had been falling for almost five years now. She barely remembered the last spring. She had been nine years old. Flowers grew and birds chirped. Where had the birds gone, she suddenly wondered. Had they a cave of their own to hide in? She missed the birds. Kern shifted on his feet. Kala grabbed his arm. Brother, tell me what is going on. The cave heat rising is not a good omen for our village, sister. We may have to leave this place. Leave? This was her home. This was their home. Here they had played and fought and had all the memories with their mother. Kala suddenly felt her face flush. She at first thought it was overcome with emotion, but soon realized her whole body had felt warmer. She wiped the sweat from her forehead. All the people around her began murmuring. They had felt the shift, too. Kala looked back at the cave's darkness, and the red eye was now in full view for all to see. But it wasn't really an eye. It was more of a dull sun which gave off heat but no light. A man climbed a jagged rock and blew a horn. The crowd hushed. He spoke loud for all to hear. Brothers and sisters, this blessed place which had been a gift to us from the gods has slowly been heating from the inside. We estimate the cave has increased one degree every hour without any indication of stopping. We must concede this place and give it up once more to the gods. 
Please calmly gather your families and your most needed belongings, and we must venture forth into the winter for new shelter. May the gods be with us all. The crowd burst into commotion. Murmurs and cries could be heard from all around. Kern grabbed Kala's arm and rushed her forward to their tent, their father and brothers already gathering their things. Do we have to go, father? Yes, my jewel. Gather your things now. We haven't long. Kala couldn't believe it. Can't leave. This is our home. Kala, do as I say. But I'll not hear another word from you. If you gather nothing, you leave with nothing but the clothes on your back, girl. And it may be warm in here, but it is very cold out there. Two hours later, Kala had most of her belongings in a satchel on her back. Though it was unbearable in the heat, she had put on several layers of clothing, as her father had instructed. She turned around once more and saw the red sun had become brighter and angrier. It gave her a sense of foreboding, and suddenly she was glad to be leaving this place. Kern grabbed her hand and they walked together away from their home. Home, she thought. Home was never this dark place with its jagged rocks. Home is wherever she may go with her brothers and her father. Another two hours later, the multitude had stopped, and the gods blessed them with a respite from the falling snow. Kala had never ventured this far from the cave before. She looked back one last time at her former home. She gasped, as did many of the people now looking back at the cave, for she was not the only one currently making a startling discovery. What they had thought been a natural opening in the side of a mountain had in fact been the gaping mouth of an enormous beast. Its head so large, it had fit the whole village inside of it. The jagged rocks, its massive, terrifying teeth. She turned to Kern, whose expression seemed just as lost as hers. Did you know, Kern? He shook his head slowly before suddenly jumping backward. He pointed for her to look. The creature seemed to be lighting up against the gray sky. An orange glow coming from within filled the creature with a fiery light. Suddenly, one of the huge eyeballs opened, and the eye of the creature lit up, glowing in its skull. With some difficulty, the monster closed its long, stagnant jaw and lifted its immense head. It was the most terrifying yet most beautiful thing Kala had ever seen in her whole life when the home she was born in became the mouth of a breathing monster. The great beast pushed itself up and shook its head as if to rid itself of the years of inhabitation. Then, with a large thunderous crack, it stood up on four monumental legs. As it stretched itself like a dog would, Kala could not help but laugh at this wondrous sight. But nothing could have prepared her for the gargantuan wings that suddenly sprung from its back. Flapping, they created a gust that even Kala could feel on her face from the many miles they had traveled away. Her father spoke one word, a word she had heard all her life. Her mother told her stories of them, of how the world used to be ruled by them, how only a few remained and they had all fallen asleep hundreds of years ago. Her father spoke one word, dragon. As he said it, the dragon seemed to take it as an epic cue. It lifted itself off the ground with its flapping wings and let out a deafening roar. A stream of fire burst from its mouth. Kala's eyes reflected in the fire and lit up with orange just as the dragons had upon opening. 
The snow began to fall once more as Kala smiled watching the dragon fly away. She could think of nothing else to say to it, but... Thank you. Next up, a story by Cassie Soliday, entitled Coffee and Cleo. We open on Interior Old World Coffee House Day. In the heat of July, the coffee house is all a bustle with USC college students and teachers alike, typing screenplays and discussing the upcoming projects for the fall semester. Clifford, extremely handsome, extremely single, enters with his eyes locked on the barista. Cleo, extremely cute, extremely free-spirited, is taking someone's lame coffee order. Clifford pushes the freshman out of the way to get to Cleo. Clifford, wanna go out? Cleo, hmm. Clifford stops typing and thinks to himself, maybe I shouldn't make it a question. He starts from pushing the freshman again. Clifford, date me. Cleo, oh, sorry, I'm with that guy. Smash cut to Silver Fox Millionaire raises a glass of champagne in Clifford's direction, teeth glistening. Clifford stops typing again. He hadn't considered that Cleo the barista may be dating someone. He looks up at her from his table across the room, thinking he should have wrote in her description that she was also extremely single. Then just maybe in reality, she would be. Clifford approaches the bar to get a refill on coffee. Cleo turns toward him smiling, her wavy hair up in a bun with an unmanageable patch doing its own groovy thing from behind her ear. She liked him. He could tell. Or at least, he's pretty sure. He couldn't recall that look being shared with any of the other patrons. Of course, he's only here every day with his small bedroom sublet's window AC unit that vomits nothing but even hotter air into his room. California hate man, he needed somewhere to go and he gladly came here. Having recently switched from a science major to a BA in cinema arts, there were a lot of unknowns involved with his possibly blossoming relationship with a cute barista. But like that feeling in the pit of his stomach that said go for it with the degree switch, he also felt she might like him. The next day was hotter than the day before. He used it as an excuse to go bask in the coolness of Cleo's presence at the coffee shop. But today, she didn't flash that $3.45 smile when he ordered his cup of black. She rang him up and hollered out, next. He takes a last look at her before stepping out of the way. She shrugged her shoulders as if to say, what? She's still pretty cute, even if she's being a jerk. Sitting in his corner, he stares between Cleo and his unfinished script on his laptop screen. He could continue writing fantasy, what he wished would happen, or... He could do an experiment to figure out what chance he would have. Thinking back to the scientific method he had grown to hate in the previous years, it may just help him out right now. First step, ask a question. Does Cleo like me? Next, do background research. For the next month, Clifford took note of Cleo's moods and the something that he felt between them on good days and the lack of it on bad days. His script he had been working on had become the story of this experiment. It wasn't until his main character's best friend, Thomas, extremely friendly, extremely Swedish, looked over the research and suggested a hypothesis. 
It looks like this chick likes you best on Tuesdays. Tuesdays? What is it about Tuesdays? Clifford looks away from his script and imaginary Swedish best friend to look over the data. It couldn't be ignored that based off the last few weeks, they had a shot at true love on Tuesdays. As he was thinking about what that kind of relationship would look like, Cleo was wiping down a table nearby. She looks over at him. Need topped off? He looked up at her and then to his coffee. Embarrassed by his secret obsession fully up on the computer screen, he couldn't form words. Cleo smirked as she ran off to grab the coffee pot. He minimized all of his document windows by the time she got back. She fills his cup. Thanks, says Clifford finally. So, I see you're a film student. Um, yeah, switched majors fairly recently. Oh, from science? Yeah, how'd you... I saw your screenplay up on the screen a minute ago with the word hypothesis. I'm not a scientist, but that is a very scientific word. Wow, I'm nosy and can read tiny font from very far away. <laughs> Let me read the rest of your script. Maybe I can play the leading lady. Clifford's eyes are wide open, staring at her and then back at his screen as he slowly opens it and she reaches for it to pull it closer to her. I'm an actress. Well, studying to be. It's such a weird thing to go to school for. I mean, if you feel it, do it. School doesn't make you good or anything, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. He didn't have an opportunity to change the names in the script. As he watched her eyes bulge from left to right and her skinny fingers scroll down the mouse pad, it all hit him hard. This is probably really stalkerish. Cleo is super focused in on the screen with squinted eyes. When she gets to the end, she sighs and starts typing onto the end of the script as she speaks to Clifford. So, first impressions. This Cleo girl is too manic pixie dream girl. Girls like that do not exist. And if it seems like they do, it's because they're just trying really hard. Now, this Clifford character is a real piece of work. He barely converses with this girl and thinks he can measure a crush of barely an acquaintance. She saves the doc and shuts the laptop to look at him. Needs a lot of work, but good start. They look at each other in awkward silence for a moment. Clifford's hands are clammy. Either they are sweating profusely or those droplets might be mortified tears that can't exit his eyes while she's looking at him. Oh well, I, I gotta get back to work. She walks off. I can't believe that just happened, stupid Clifford. What the hell? What were you thinking? He imagines Swedish Thomas saying to him in his mind. As Clifford grabs his laptop to shove it into his bag to leave, he had a feeling. In an effort to follow it, he reopens his laptop to read her feedback. It wasn't what she had said aloud. Clifford, I know I've been a creeper the past couple of weeks, but would you want to grab a cup of coffee sometime? Cleo, I work at a coffee shop. No. Dejected, Clifford, extremely cute, extremely dorky, turns away with his medium black coffee no room in hand. Cleo continues, however, take me to dinner and a movie and I would say yes. Cleo writes her phone number on his cup of coffee and hands it back to him. Whew. Clifford looks up from his computer and over at Cleo behind the coffee bar. Medium black coffee, no room for Clifford? 
He could see what looked to be a phone number written in jagged cursive on the side. He looked back at his computer. It was a Thursday. Jammiest Bits of Jam is produced by Christina Kishbaugh and Cassie Soliday. Music by Grace Sai. Follow us on Facebook as Jammiest Bits of Jam Podcast or on Twitter at Bits of Jam Podcast. If you enjoy our show, please share this episode with your friends and rate us on iTunes. With your help, we can promote the unique voices of women everywhere. To learn how you too can contribute to the show with your own short story based on the next theme, please email jammiestbits at gmail.com. Until then, keep writing and embracing the most important thing that you have, your voice.